And before we get started with this week's podcast, I want to mention an upcoming conference SpaceQ is the official media sponsor of. The Canadian Aeronautics and Space Institute, or CASI, is holding its biannual Astro 18 conference between May 15th to the 17th in Quebec City. The event will feature a head of space agencies panel, a director general's space panel, keynote speakers, and a resilient space workshop. As well, the preliminary technical program is now available. To learn more and register, visit cassie.ca. Five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. This is the Space Q Podcast. If you like what we do, then please support us on Patreon. Our Patreon address is patreon.com slash spaceq. My guest this week is Lucy Stoyak, who is the Director of the School on Management of Creativity and Innovation at Hec Montréal. Lucy is also the Chair of the Space Advisory Board. It was just about a year ago that ICED Minister Baines announced the then 10-member Space Advisory Board. Last summer, an additional member was added, Kate Howells, to represent the advocacy segment. I will note that the board members are not employees of the government, they serve on a volunteer basis, and are not paid. All members work either in academia, industry, research, not-for-profit, or in the case of Kate Howells, public outreach and advocacy. It's been a very busy year for the board, so let me quickly recap it. According to the government, when it announced in October 2016 that it was forming a new space advisory board, the board would advise the government of Canada on long-term objectives for space and to engage with Canadians. As soon as the board was announced last April, it began a cross-Canada in-person stakeholder consultation by invitation. Though... If you asked to participate, as I did, you could also participate. This was followed by two virtual events titled Canada's Youth and Next Generation Space Leaders and the North and Canada's Future in Space. All these events were wrapped up by May 19th. Over 180 people participated in person or online. Afterwards, the board wrote a report titled Consultations on Canada's Future in Space, What We Heard, which summarized what they had heard from stakeholders during the consultation. While the report was written quickly, according to sources who spoke to SpaceQ, it was not released until mid-August. The report had two recommendations from issues they categorized in six themes. The top two level recommendations were to designate space as a national strategic asset and what the future role in the Space Advisory Board would be. The the detail, though, was in the six themes. Those themes were designating space as a national strategic asset, strengthening world-class Canadian capabilities, adopting new policies and regulations to capitalize on technological advances, continuity of policies and sustainable funding, outreach and education activities to inspire and prepare Canadians, and an urgent call to action. Today, Lucy and I will discuss the results of the consultation, budget 2018, and where the Space Advisory Board goes from here. Welcome, Lucy, to the Space Q Podcast. 
Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right. When the uh, Space Advisory Board was proposed, the government said members would spend two to four days per month working on board business. Uh, is it just me, uh, based on what I've heard, but have you and the other board members spent a lot more time working on this than you expected? Well, uh, certainly, uh, I, I think that um, in this uh, journey that actually almost started day for day a year ago, the uh, Space Advisory Board was revitalized at the start of April uh, 2017. Uh, certainly, the initial first few uh, months with the roundtables uh, being held across uh, the country and the uh, webinars uh, certainly um, uh, necessitated uh, a bit more work. And then I think putting the report together uh, continuing the outreach. So I would say that it's not uh, always regular. Sort of the summer was a slower time period. But I would certainly say that uh, the SAB um, has uh, been active, has been pleased to be uh, active and uh, uh, to support uh, the development of, um, of a space uh, strategy and to support ICED and the minister. Okay, so let's talk about some of the six themes from the report you submitted to government. Um, they are very relevant to today and still need to be acted upon. The report's top recommendation was the government should designate space as a national strategic asset. Why should they do that? And importantly, what would that mean? I think for um, why space is so important for Canada, I think to declare space as a strategic national asset would uh, just signal uh, that um, that space and would recognize and one it would signal to um, even uh, partners on the international level, and it would reiterate to people in the space community here that the strategic aspect of space is extremely uh, relevant and vital for Canada in terms of. Of, uh, of uh, connectivity uh, because of the, the breadth uh, and width of our country. Uh, it's very often, uh, space very often provides the only technology that will uh, cover distance in a, in a insensitive or ubiquitous fashion. It offers the only technology sometimes to connect um, Canadians in, in northern regions. Um, you know that it also delivers uh, uh, public goods and services, so that should be uh, recognized as a strategic national uh, asset, communications, uh, health and social services, uh, weather forecasting. Uh, in fact, uh, this is something that re re really came out repeatedly was the breadth of uh, how much space is woven into um, Canadians' uh, lives and how that will increasingly become uh, the case. Of course, there's national security, uh, security in, uh, in the north. Um, it's also a sector that once you invest creates uh, um, high quality professionals. Uh, it has a higher return on uh, research and uh, development intensity. So it was important for us that this be um, recognized by the government. And once it's recognized as a strategic uh, national asset and the fact that it permeates across numerous uh, government departments and ministries in order to fulfill some of the 
the issues that I've pointed out earlier, it would mean um, ideally that the whole of government, that the strategy would be able and the policy would be able to be developed with all of the, the government bodies and ministries that use space to fulfill their mandate in a synchronized and coordinated uh, uh, fashion. Um, and there would, of course, be an implication uh, that that would uh, facilitate cost sharing uh, across uh, government departments on space development. That would be uh, an ideal situation. Now, do you think the government will designate space as a national strategic asset? Certainly from what we heard during these roundtables in written submissions um, uh, in other activities that the SAB was involved with uh, uh, in conferences, they're clearly within the space, uh, uh, among the space stakeholders, whether they're from uh, industry, from academia, uh, from even uh, social uh, groups like uh, amateur uh, societies, uh, non-profit organizations, the recognition of um, of this um, as, of space, sorry, as a strategic asset is important. So we, again, as an advisory board, uh, in our report that, uh, that was uh, made public in the month of August and uh, submitted to the minister uh, a little bit earlier, we certainly have continued to reiterate the importance uh, for the different stakeholders in Canada uh, to have the government recognize uh, space as a strategic national asset. Other countries certainly have done so. Do you have any examples of which countries have done that? Well, uh, certainly, I believe, um, let's not call it a country, but Europe in its uh, recent um, space uh, strategy that I think came out in 2015, if my memory serves me correctly, has recognized uh, space as um, uh, a key um, area to invest in as, and as being strategic uh, for Europe. Okay. Uh, another of the six themes uh, really caught my attention. Um, it's called An Urgent Call to Action, Reverse the Declining Canada Space Capability Before It's Too Late. And the report offered this key proposal. Develop, in time for the next federal budget, a new space strategy and follow-on space plan that provides the policies, programs, and funding essentials for the revitalization of Canada's space capacity. There was a lot of expectation by stakeholders that Budget 2018 would see some positive action on the space file based on uh, the SAB report and what the government seemed to be signaling. From your perspective, what happened that space wasn't included in a significant way in the budget? I think that um, during the entire uh, process that the Space Advisory Board has been involved with and what we have been uh, informing the minister as to what we have been hearing and the urgency, uh, the urgency message I think has been repeated uh, not only within the work that the SAB has carried out, but even in reports that were carried out um, uh, before. Um, I think that one of the challenges, and this is a challenge I I guess for uh, every budget round is the fact that there are um, competing uh, requests being made on uh, the budget purse strings of the government. And so I think that uh, certainly the space message was brought 
um, back to the minister. I think that uh, the uh, uh, minister uh, Baines uh, is uh, a champion for a space. And I believe that after that, once uh, things entered within uh, the selection process, that perhaps there were um, other priorities that were uh, decided upon in 2018 and uh, space did not get a specific uh, mention, though again, if you um, read uh, through the budget, there are certainly areas where space can um, uh, hopefully uh, get uh, funding for certain research projects, uh, for collaborative uh, projects, um, and not to forget to mention also the recent announcement of some of the superclusters. So again, it's not specific to space, but it certainly uh, gives some openings to space industry, to space academia, uh, and other stakeholders to uh, continue advancing uh, a space. So I, I guess in a nutshell, perhaps uh, just other priorities uh, that, uh, that uh, came up against uh, space in this round. So uh, I understand that, and most certainly it was a big uh uh, budget for science, uh, so mm-hmm. we're definitely science uh, basic research opportunities there for for the for the space community, uh, and there are definitely other programs that have been rolled out for uh, the space community could be a participate in, uh, but unfortunately, it's not what uh, everyone was was expecting, which was a clear signal on uh, a strategy and uh, a strategy that potentially had some funding with it. So so we're still waiting on that. By all accounts, the minister, the minister has been engaged and receptive to the board's advice. Do you think the minister will convince cabinet to put forward a meaningful plan or strategy sometime this year? Well, certainly uh, there is a commitment to continue um, advancing uh, the causes within government. Um, The SAB was uh, assured that this would continue to be the case. I, again, within uh, government circles, um, assume that uh, this will uh, necessitate uh, working again across uh, different uh, departments and uh, agencies to get the necessary uh, backing. What uh, the result of that will be, uh, one can only hope that the message will continue to be made clearly. I think the SAB and all um, stakeholders in in the Canadian space community have this um, added challenge for the upcoming months to continue uh, doing outreach uh, activities, uh, not just uh, uh, amongst uh, Canadian citizens, but also perhaps uh, uh, within uh, with in um, the agencies that that use space for their mandate and to perhaps uh, continue highlighting what would happen if you didn't have space uh, to help you uh, with weather forecasting and to help you with uh, security issues. So perhaps um, a different also approach in terms of how all of the stakeholders um, um, decide to do the space uh, narrative in the future will be important. But certainly this is a will require a collective uh, effort, um, both uh, outside uh, of government and uh, within government. So I think that uh, the understanding as to the importance of having a space strategy and a clear space uh, plan so that 
the stakeholders, industry, academia, etc., know where we're going, I, I, I think uh, is clear and has to continue to uh, be made very strongly. And has the case, the business case, uh, been made uh, to government as to the value of the space program, the, the return on investment. Do you think the government understands the return on investment? I mean, we've had the Emerson report. We've had your report. There's lots of other studies that have been come out, including the OECD studies, the, so, the, uh, the Euroconsult's uh, socioeconomic benefits study. Do you think that there's enough data there that shows the government that there is a return on investment and that, you know, at this point, you know, it, it makes sense to, to go forward with with some sort of strategic plan and some investment? Well, again, uh, based on uh, the um, reports that you've just enumerated that are all quite fairly recent, all of them uh, uh, date no, long, no more than maybe five, six years uh, maximum, I think that a lot of studies have, have uh quite uh, strongly uh, proven, one, the economic uh, returns, the investment, the returns of investing public uh, monies, uh, uh, I think also has been strongly uh, demonstrated. What perhaps um, needs to continue to be done is the highlighting of the socioeconomic benefits. I, th I think, again, for individuals who are in the space, uh, the space community, the space sector, uh, be it here in Canada or internationally, I think the benefits um, of, in terms of, uh, of, um, of health care, if you think of spin-offs, say, from the Canadarm, the robotic spin-offs into uh, uh, microsurgery, uh, if you think of spin-offs in Earth observation for weather forecasting, for you know, crop forecasting, this narrative and these socioeconomic impacts and how that improves the daily lives of Canadians is 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 extremely well known. I think the ch the challenge, and a little bit what what um, always is a bit surprising, at least to me, and this is a personal opinion now, is the fact that the average Canadian citizen is not as sensitive or aware of this, and so clearly there's the narrative and the way the Canadian space uh, success story is told and where it's told and how to do the outreach activity, I think, um, I think needs, again, a collective uh, effort. I think all the elements uh, are there, certainly, uh, uh, the, you know, examples like the one I just gave with the Canadarm and other spin-offs uh, that are well known within the space community, perhaps just have to be, continue to be made um, uh, publicly in different venues and not just in venues that tend to assemble, again, the space sector. So I, I think that there is work that needs to be done on um, how to use spaces like museums, for example, or uh, other areas that are not typically linked only to space, but where you attract people and can get that knowledge across and transfer the knowledge and build up uh, the uh, enthusiasm. So the socioeconomic benefits uh, will continue, I think, uh, to be extremely important uh, for the space 
sector. But in terms of the economic returns, I, I really do think that the reports that you cited uh, and probably others that, uh, that I'm not aware of and that maybe you are not aware of, I think uh, have uh, quite um, successfully and forcefully made the case for how investing in space in Canada has uh, certainly uh, multiplied uh, uh, jobs, uh, multiplied uh, exports, uh, and certainly uh, increased returns for Canada uh, in a huge way. Looking at a a bigger picture for the moment, um, not talking about the report itself, um, but looking at the Canadian space program, in particular the civil space program, um, the CSA is uh, an organization that is under the umbrella of ISET. Um, is that really the best place for the Canadian Space Agency at this point, or has the space sector grown to the point now where it needs more attention and maybe it should be conceived of in a different way, in a way that's not within a portfolio like I said, because I said it's a huge portfolio with many demands on it. Um, you know, ministers being pulled this way and that way. So any thoughts on that, that maybe it's time that we rethink how the Canadian Space Agency is positioned? Um, maybe t- two points. Um, one, uh, to address the breadth of um, sectors that falls under the ISED umbrella. Uh, An interesting thought is that uh, whether you look at sort of the automotive industries or other industries, in the future, uh, uh, you could argue very strongly that space could provide part of the solution to some of the challenges uh, uh, um, that some of the other industries will be facing. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is often space could be, and especially if you integrate um, data uh, and start applying data analytics and artificial intelligence with space data sets, that is often the way that you generate new uh, either services or applications that go well beyond uh, the space uh, sector. And so I think this value of space being one of the few areas that actually has this capacity uh, should not be underestimated and should perhaps be um, more widely um, uh, discussed and, um, and spread. Uh, coming back to your point about uh, uh, that the CSA uh, currently reports to, I said, um, certainly during the different roundtables, comments were made with respect to uh, the CSA, uh, the structure, uh, how the governance should change, how uh, the reporting perhaps should change. And I think uh, some uh, of the roundtable participants highlighted countries like Japan, where I believe that uh, the representative of the space um, agency actually reports directly to cabinet and to uh, the the uh, prime minister. I think another really good um, example of countries where space is seen at the highest level um, as of strategic value for the uh, economic uh, security, foreign policy development of a country is also in the United States. Uh, there recently uh, was a two-day series of bilateral discussions in uh, November between the U.S. and Canada on issues that dealt with GNSS and with space weather. And uh, at those meetings, I was um, 
able to attend only one day of those of uh, those meetings. The representatives from the U.S. side were individuals who actually reported directly uh, to the White House. So I think again, coming back to the very first question about the importance of of declaring space as a national strategic asset, uh, that that uh, certainly uh, there could be. Um, interesting discussions as to whether uh, if space could be declared a national strategic asset, if there could be, uh, if the CSA could also access um, uh, perhaps a higher level uh, within the Canadian government. Okay. Now, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was this whole whole of government approach uh, and cost sharing. Um, isn't that, I think I, I also added the word that that would be the ideal solution, <laughs> a long-term um, uh, approach to hold up government. Um, um. Isn't that a bit of a double-edged sword in some respects in that um, you'll have different departments who now have to take a portion of their budget and funnel it over to, let's say, the CSA uh, for a larger project, and we'll say like radar, const, uh, radar satellite constellation, um, uh, but don't have as much of a say in how things are managed or run. Do you think there might be some interdepartmental friction there? There, there, there might very well be, but let me just uh, put my comment within um, within context. I think that again, in an ideal um, situation, many of the departments that do use space technology to uh, fulfill their mandates. In an ideal world, these are users. And so since space increasingly uh, will, I think, uh, the downstream side of uh, space applications will continue uh, to grow. So the user communities, uh, I think, are going to play an important role. So I think it's also ensuring that within the departments, that the real value for the realization of each department's mandate, what that, what that is. Because again, ideally, you would think that the users, uh, and in this case, we're talking about government, would, uh, would inherently see um, the value, would understand why they need that application to fulfill their mandate over the next five, ten years, let's, let's project uh, along, along those lines, and would therefore understand why investing in that would be important. Are we there yet? Um, I'm not saying that. Should we strive for that? I think we should. Okay. Um, you know, there's been a lot of inaction when it comes to the Canadian space program for well over 10 years now. And the um, budgets uh, for the Canadian Space Agency, when you take out RadarSat Constellation, uh, hasn't been uh, very robust. Uh, we're still waiting for the departmental plan to be released for the 2018-19 uh, year. Uh, but if memory serves me correctly, uh, it was going to be one of the lowest budgets in, uh, in a decade, if not the lowest. Um, so there's been lots of inaction and we're still waiting on the government to move on this. What does that mean for the industry in terms of going forward 
uh, as each day goes by, and if nothing happens, let's say through the summer and into the fall, um, how, how does that affect um, the economy and plans by companies and uh, careers that students are planning out? Uh, do we not need some sort of signal from the government that something is going to happen, even if it's just saying we're paying attention and, and we're coming out with something at this point, even though they've done that many times in the past and not followed through? But don't we need some sort of signal? Yes, I think, and again, that addresses the the uh, point you raised uh, about the urgent call uh, to action. Clearly, what we heard uh, and uh, and what was reported um, ha- has not changed since last year, and ha- not having, um, unfortunately, had space included in this year's budget, uh, will again signal that we don't have a plan. That again. People, students who are thinking of uh, going into a research career in the space sector are not insured of what they will be working on. Uh, and this brain drain will continue. I think industry will continue to um, be um, unfocused and, again, not know where it's going. So clearly, I think it is important that there be a signal. And I think what's, in, <clears throat> excuse me, what's important also is um, when you when you um, read through uh, the budget, there is mention made, of course, a lot of monies were invested in research. Uh, mention was made also of modernizing, for example, the Canadian regulatory framework w- without space being specifically mentioned. I think what would be key for the government would, uh, even if it's in an in incremental fashion, to send uh, signals and to continue building the case to be have space included in the next budget, but between now and then, uh, to uh, make statements, to uh, uh, confirm uh, maybe uh, regulatory uh, changes, to incrementally give positive signals that, you know, we, we have heard you, um, we are working uh, on the development of the space strategy, we are taking small steps right now, um, and, uh, you know, to, to continue a momentum so that it doesn't sort of, after this budget, um, nothing occurs until work uh, commences on the next budget. There, there shouldn't be necessarily a, a huge gap in terms of some incremental steps uh, being uh, taken and signaling uh, something positive to uh, industry, academia, and the space sector. But it's very important. The urgent, the urgency has not um, has not um, has not gone away, and the need to have uh, missions, the need to have a, a plan that everyone can align behind to bring investments, uh, to, to keep smaller companies here, to uh, uh, signal to our international partners that, you know, yes, Canada uh, it will, will be there for the long uh, run, and yes, we will be investing in these areas, and we are continue to be um, a partner that, uh, that is uh, worthy and trustworthy and qualified. Uh, I think, the, the, you know, there are signals within the Canadian space sector, but I think that there are also signals uh, that uh, the international partners are, are uh, also perhaps expecting. Yeah, and, and 
NASA was just uh, uh, got their budget numbers uh, revised upwards uh, by over a billion dollars uh, for the uh, the next uh, budget cycle, which took everybody by surprise. But it certainly signaled that there is bipartisan support in the U.S. to support uh, NASA space or the the space program in a in a greater context, and uh, the same goes true with the, the, the military space budget, which doesn't get too much discussion. Uh, and also, uh, we also can't forget that NOAA is also part of that uh, mm-hmm. uh, picture. But uh, going back, to, uh, talking about uh, the next budget, uh, the next budget's an election budget. So unless there's something in there that is specific to that um uh, 1920 fiscal year that actually gets passed uh, in the budget cycle, uh, then everything else will just be wishful thinking because they may not uh, get uh, reelected. Um, there's one point I, I want to bring up because it's something I've sort of been hearing for almost a year now. I'm seeing um, a little bit of disconnect between what students are telling me what legacy industry, I'll say, people who've been in industry for a long time in the larger companies, and government. In government, I'm seeing a lot of inaction. Uh, the legacy industry, we've heard lots from AIAC members. They've put out the reports. We know where exactly where they stand. But when it comes to students and small businesses and new businesses, the, I'm actually hearing optimism, Optimism that there's opportunity that wasn't there before. Um, And when you look at the investment community and you see what happened with Kepler Communications and Skywatch, uh, these are two startups that receive funding, uh, and both of them receive fundings from Canadian investment companies. You know, this is something that we don't see that often, and it's something that's gradually or hopefully gradually growing. Um, So am I correct maybe interpreting that there's a little bit of a disconnect by what youth are saying and what establishment is saying? Um, I think it probably depends on uh, which individuals you speak with in those uh, communities. I I would um, say that in terms of uh, students, did you did you speak with students that were uh, primarily in in uh, STEM fields or uh, students that were, what, what what if I could just I, I suppose, find out a little bit more? I think you're right. I think it would be uh, more in the STEM fields. Okay, I again would would say that um, what we heard uh, was uh, a little bit of a mixed bag. Certainly, uh, the fact that there is no um, plan in terms of a cadence of missions is seen by uh, uh, members of the um, academic community as a very strong disincentive to attract students to continue working on space missions because there is nothing in the pipeline, whereas, uh, for example, uh, within ESA or even in the U.S., that's not the case. And so the fact that we are losing Canadian researchers and potential future academics, I do believe we, we really did hear 
from coast to coast uh, during uh, during the different um, roundtables. And I would also say that the uh, members of the Space Advisory Board who are involved much more actively than I am in, in the scientific aspects of space and space programs, I think would also um, uh, maybe echo the comment that I just made. In terms of, um, I would, but also, as you know, I don't have a science background. My background is uh, law, and I was specialized at McGill here at the Institute of Air and Space Law, uh, located uh, in, in Montreal. I would say that for students, for example, who are studying new business models and innovation, applying these new tools and ways of doing business, be it new space, to the space sector, I think that would be very um, exciting. And I think that students in maybe more STEAM, uh, the, the arts that encompasses not only uh, sort of um, arts in terms of um, uh, artistic creation, but arts in, in terms of social sciences, be it you know management and business and law and regulatory issues and political science, I would say that, that they might find the challenges uh, extraordinary because the space sector is moving so quickly and because of the of new space and and the agility and uh, the fact that you have to be able to quickly deal with disruptive technologies and how all of these same types of issues are addressed by different sectors that there could be lessons learned that could be applied to space so I would say if you spoke to people in that group of students I think that you would find uh, a lot of energy and enthusiasm and in terms of smaller uh, companies Again, I would say, based on what we heard, a little bit of a, of a mixed bag. I'm very encouraged uh, to hear that, there's, um, that you're, you're coming across a lot of, uh, of optimism. I think that um, perhaps some of the uh, new um, um, initiatives that were launched by government that aren't 100% space-related, but the superclusters, uh, the innovation fund, perhaps uh, there is funding that will facilitate uh, the the uh, kickoff of of, uh, of startups, but we do we did hear uh, from uh, other representatives of uh, more of the new space uh, type of companies that it was extremely difficult to get funding here in Canada. Uh, that uh, companies were Canadian companies were more smaller companies were more successful in getting outside funding than here in Canada. And and one of the issues that often is uh, cited as um, an explanation uh, to that phenomenon is the fact that other uh, countries have or are in the process of implementing uh, a regulatory framework that um, has programs that enable uh, innovation funds uh, taking greater risks and provides a little bit more uh, certainty to this type of, uh, of company. And maybe if I could just add uh, one point also in terms of um, of startups and uh, more of the new space type of companies here in Canada. Uh, what we also heard, uh, and I think this was actually highlighted as well in the EuroConsult uh, socioeconomic report that came out a couple of years ago, is the the, the the need for these companies to also sort of mix and take part in events that deal with startups from different sectors. And in other words, this continued um, uh, need to try and get 
the space technology spun into uh, different uh, sectors in order to get it better known, get the applications and what space technology can actually achieve to broaden the outreach and the community that is aware of that. And that includes individuals that are, you know, the venture capital uh, people and, uh, and uh, people who provide uh, funding. Yeah, I won't disagree with any of your points. I think you're right on all of those. Uh, I suppose where I was, maybe I was coming from and maybe not being clear is, you're right. I I spoke to a lot of people who are would-be entrepreneurs who find that there are opportunities available to them now that weren't available in the past. Uh, Now, that doesn't mean that uh, there's lots of roadblocks in the way in terms of regulatory frameworks and and the rest of it, but they, they felt that, you know, there was more more doors open to them to starting companies at a younger age. Um, all right, so let, let's go on to uh, the second recommendation. Um, and I, I want to preface this with, a, with something that relates to the U.S. In the U.S., NASA has several advisory committees, such as uh, science, etc. The Canadian Space Agency has similar committees, astrophysics, heliophysics, Um, However, there are two other committees um, that are worth mentioning in the U.S. One is the NASA Advisory Council uh, and the new reconstituted National Space Council. The latter is a White House initiative led by Vice President Pence. Uh, It is also more of a, in my opinion, a a top-down type of initiative. Um, Whereas the NASA Advisory Council is more of a checks and balances council with experts from outside of the U.S. or outside of NASA providing input on what NASA is doing. Their meetings with NASA are held three to four times per year, and they're open to the public. They examine current NASA programs and the budget. Uh, The model is not perfect, but it does provide good feedback and allows the community to participate in a more meaningful way than what we have here in Canada. And those participants are more aware of what's happening at NASA on an ongoing basis. Could the Space Advisory Board or perhaps a new CSA Advisory Council uh, be created that provides a similar function? Wouldn't it allow for more stakeholder interaction with the CSA on programs and planning on an ongoing basis? I would respond in the following fashion. When um, certainly one of the key roles that the Space Advisory Board has played so far um, and will continue to do uh, is this um, to, to be the link and to provide this continuous dialogue with the community of stakeholders and to bring that back to, to, to government to, to, to have this kind of discussion group. I think what's very important in what you mentioned is, uh, especially when you were talking about uh, NASA, but also in referencing the CSA, you mentioned that um, both of these organizations deal a lot with different communities, so communities of users. Uh, uh, you mentioned the group, the astrophysic group, uh, perhaps one is in life sciences. And I think that increasingly when you look to develop um, innovation ecosystems, um, you do have to broaden the base, if only because 
to me, and again, now this is a personal opinion, innovation really, we're in an economy of ideas. And so ideas can come from very uh, diverse uh, types of communities. And I think the uh, those who will be able to seek out ideas from a wider and broader range of communities of, of interest will be able to amalgamate those ideas in new fashions that will create or generate uh, ideas for new missions, new technologies, new services, even new business models, and even maybe a new way uh, of governance and, and, and a new way uh, to work uh, uh, with government and uh, with the, the space sector. So I think that there, again, we see ourselves very much as a group with a, a very broad range of expertise. Um, again, we were set up to advise and inform the minister. We uh, certainly would envisage a role where when there's um, uh, uh, certain uh, requests made in terms of implementation or in terms of uh, specific changes that the government is thinking of, of uh, creating within the SAB smaller groups of, of experts that could then open up uh, to communities like the ones uh, that, that you mentioned to bring back uh, this uh, knowledge and feed it into the Canadian space sector. So again, we um, see ourselves very much as being active, as being active with the community of stakeholders. And I think maybe to highlight a, a good example of, um, of how space can uh, go outside sort of the usual uh, types of um, either conferences that it holds or uh, community of interest groups, you may remember that at the end of the month of November, the CSA hosted something called, I may not get the name 100% right, sorry about that, a National Forum on on health and space. Uh, and the idea there was, uh, and, and uh, there's a group of experts that was set up, and that's actually chaired by Bob Thirsk. And the idea was really to um, inform users and communities of interest in the medical field across Canada as to what was being done in terms of sort of uh, life science, uh, astronaut well-being, technologies being developed for that purposes, for those purposes, you know, for astronaut training uh, and well-being, inform that community, but also it's a two-way street. See what is currently being done that could, or technologies being developed that could apply uh, to space, uh, to the space sector. So um, again, this um, opening up of space to different communities uh, of interest, I think, is is a key point. And you're right in highlighting that NASA has been doing that. ESA has also actually, through challenges and through inviting people, really from fields that are completely, at least at uh, prima facie, completely not related to space to, to get um, ideas, uh, these communities of innovation, uh, to spin uh, 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 disruptive technologies and get input uh, within the sector. So with that in mind, uh, what are the board's current activities? The board's current activities uh, following the budget, we had um, a meeting in uh, Ottawa with uh, members of um, ICED and of the minister's um, uh, closest entourage 
to uh, go over um, the the uh, budget and uh, the recommendations that we had made and to uh, highlight uh, disappointment uh, in terms of what we had recommended, what we had heard, uh, impact on the stakeholders. Uh, there clearly is a need to do continued outreach activities, which is what uh, we are um, in the process of um, organizing uh, ourselves. We want to uh, continue the dialogue. We will uh, continue, obviously, to uh, meet uh, via teleconferencing. But again, the report, uh, the budget only came out at the end of March. People travel. So our first, uh, our first um, joint meeting in Ottawa was uh, in mid-March. And uh, with, uh, with holidays, etc., we will continue to participate in events that are organized, yes, in the space sector, continue to uh, discuss with the stakeholders, and uh, continue to, um, to perhaps highlight again something I said at the very beginning of this, um, of this uh, discussion, the importance of the socioeconomic benefits and of, uh, of uh, sensitizing uh, both uh, sort of government department and users of space and the Canadian uh, public. And maybe also, again, highlighting, you know, where do we want space to be in 10 years? And, and, and if we don't, what is happening um, in other countries and other uh, 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 Agencies, what are they? Uh, what are the trends, uh, and why is it important for Canada to continue uh, to um, and for the Space Advisory Board to continue uh, highlighting the importance of space uh, to Canada and the importance of having a clear space strategy that will align um, all of the stakeholders and push uh, and push uh, the sector forward. And um, I think you've answered this, but I'll, I'll ask it. Um, is the SAB itself planning any meetings with uh, stakeholders uh, in the near future? Uh, as opposed to um, uh, attending meetings that are organized by others? We uh, have not discussed that, but clearly um, I think that uh, there would be many uh, Space Advisory Board members who uh, would want to be, uh, uh, who would want the board to be proactive and to uh, do more outreach um, activities uh, to be able again to uh, continue spreading and making the case for space uh, at venues, again, that are not necessarily at the onset limited to the space sector. And, and maybe if I could just also add something uh, on this, I think that e even within conferences that uh, are well attended and that are regular uh, events in Canada, and I'm thinking of uh, conferences that are organized by groups like the CSS or CSCA, uh, there's a CASI and other organizations, AIAC also uh, holds conferences, th that perhaps the importance of uh, including sessions that highlight uh, the socioeconomic um, impacts of space uh, could be a positive uh, step in, uh, again, doing this type of, of outreach um, activities. Will the SAB par be participating in 
Cassie's Astro 18 in Quebec City in May? Well, I, uh, as uh, chair of the SAB, have been invited to uh, give a presentation, an update uh, on SAB activities. I believe that other board members will contribute to uh, some of the individual uh, panels. Uh, so the answer is uh, yes. Okay. So um, I'm going to throw in one last thing here. And uh, it just goes based on everything that we've talked about, that one of the things that uh, I suppose we have in Canada is an identity problem in terms of if you walk along the street and you ask an average person, what do they think about the space program? You'll hear, hopefully, about the Canada Arm and you might hear about uh, Chris Hadfield, but you might not hear much more. So maybe the Canadian Space Agency, or maybe they should hire somebody, uh, maybe they should have a campaign with um, David St. Jacques' uh, Uh, mission coming up this November, leading up to it and during it, um, that is a a much broader outreach program than they've considered in the past. And, you know, one of those things that really, this is just, you know, a small little thing on my personal side. When you go to the States and you go to Florida, Kennedy Space Center, you go to California, you go to a whole bunch of different places, it's easy to buy NASA's, call it swag, okay? Mm -hmm. And in Canada, if you want to get a CSA baseball cap or a T-shirt or something else, there's a website, but it's really, sorry, guys, pathetic. And, you know, maybe we should be doing something there where as part of this marketing campaign with David St. Jacques, we have this new push to, you know, get Canadians to buy CSA products to help, you know, promote our Canadian space program. I don't know. Just something I'd throw it. I I thought I'd throw out there. Well, just uh, maybe a a couple of comments on uh, that question. One of the things that uh, the SAB heard during some of the roundtables was this um, almost uh, shyness of Canadians to um, blow their own horn in in terms of Canadian space success stories. Um, I think I mentioned also earlier on um, the importance of places like museums to be able to help with the outreach and the narrative of the success stories of the Canadian space uh, program, and especially how it impacts uh, the lives of Canadians. I completely agree that there are some huge milestone uh, events that are going to take place uh, later on uh, this year that clearly the CSA, and in fact, uh, in in our discussions, the, the SAB had also raised these milestone events as being able as being events that could that could um, uh, garner uh, the support and the enthusiasm and that should be uh, should be certainly maximized in terms of outreach activities um, I am confident that the CSA uh, does have uh, a communication plan for these milestone activities, but I think that uh, that the SAB and, and other members in the space community in Canada could uh, certainly uh, sort of um, dovetail and build up the momentum to these activities and, and translate. I think a lot of the work that needs to be done is one that I would refer to as translation, as translation as to, okay, this is an 
astronaut and he has trained and he will be going to space and he'll be carrying out these missions. And, and, and perhaps that that is, is a little bit far removed uh, from uh, the lives of everyday people. But then it would be to translate how in the past and how in the future, how these missions can impact and positively uh, influence and, and impact and inspire uh, people's kids to do STEM and why that's important. So um, I think there's a role for all of us uh, uh, to play in that. And certainly the, um, the uh, SAB um, would, would love to contribute to that effort. Uh, no disrespect to, to the Canadian Space Agency because they are doing a good, uh, much better than they used to with their outreach efforts and certainly doing a lot with uh, uh, social media and online. But I think I'm, I, I'm, I was referring more to um, taking a, you know, entrepreneur, commercial, economic approach to their, uh, you know, to clothes, to stickers, to baseball mm. caps and mugs and, and all that stuff. I mean, I could see them, you know, partnering with maybe Roots or The Bay or even a company that the young crowd will, will, will know about called Lids, where you can go buy your, your, your caps. Uh, why not have CSA caps in there? Uh, and- why not? And, and, and sorry, just to, to, to maybe uh, uh, piggyback on that, why not uh, you know, use something like a crowdsourcing type of event or a hackathon to actually get ideas from uh, youth and from uh, other segments of the Canadian uh, uh, society as to you know, how, uh, what, what it is that would stimulate Canadians and come up with ideas like the ones of, of matching uh, uh, companies uh, and brands with the CSA. I think that's, uh, again, I think that um, ideas are no longer within the confines of either one company or one agency. And I think that uh, mechanisms to open up and get ideas like that, and perhaps even leverage uh, funding, uh, I think certainly should be encouraged. And I'll just throw out there as a last thing that Ottawa-based Shopify, great place to set up a store, an online store. And I'll also mention that, you know, we used to have, now this is before my time, uh, going way back, we used to have these national war bond efforts. And then later on, when I was a, a youngster, there used to be these national efforts for saving bonds. Um, so I don't see why we can't have a, a some sort of national effort for promoting space in Canada. Anyway, um, I've taken enough of your time, Lucy. Uh, thank you very much for being my guest on the Space Q podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the Space Q podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash We really appreciate feedback, and to help us, we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music if you're so inclined. If you have any comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca, or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca, where you'll find an archive of each episode. If you send me a comment by email, I'll write back to you as soon as I can. On Twitter, you can follow us at Canada in Space. And if you use Facebook, you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page, The Space Q. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app.